Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio, Dispatches from the Verge. Today, David Morrison and I talk about centering prayer once again. We are on part four of the Pathways to Presence, um, kind of breaking down a practical way to step into centering prayer and um, continuing that conversation from the previous three months. But before we get into that, thank you to Danny West. He does all the editing and sound engineering. Thank you to Jacob Netty at Monk Drums. That's what you hear in the background. If you want to learn more about Desert Rain Community, uh, theruined.com is a place to go for that. drcrpod.com is a place to go for other episodes of the podcast. Uh, If you want to order a copy of David Morrison's book, Desolate Beauty, The Book of Light and Shadow, dreamwalkerway.com is the place to go for that also we have an uh, American Sign Language translation of the book on YouTube if you search Dreamwalker Way you can find that there if you enjoy what you're hearing please tell a friend word of mouth and social media really helps us we appreciate you and let's get into it Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio. <laughs> Whoa, you came in hot there. <laughs> well, I was trying to give it the time, but I was mumbling about how our energy <laughs> picks up once it's we a get... low energy day. <laughs> Pollen does that. Pollen and wind. <clears throat> um, yeah, Pollen is upon us. April pollen brings May fallen. Something fallout. <laughs> Allergy fallout. Uh, welcome everyone. Uh, Desert Rain Community Radio dispatches from the verge, part four of our Pathways to Presence centering prayer edition. Open mind, open heart. Thomas Keating. I think that's the first time I've got it right. All right. It's a map that we're putting, using. Putting it in, in different orders or saying, I think last month I said Thomas Merton is the author. Oh, that's right. You, yeah. you corrected me, luckily. Um, so basically, we're using this book uh, as a, like David said, a roadmap or a guide to um, a discussion and, and open heart, open mind. Um, s- specifically lays out we've covered like the the history of centering prayer um that was last month's and this month part four and we're going by the chapter so when we say part four we're basically using chapter four um but the first steps of centering prayer so i kind of look as i was listening to this chapter and, and you can correct me uh if if you had a different perspective david but sort of centering prayer 101 it felt like he's sort of laying out the yeah, yeah. the um, practical aspects of it. And um, so, yeah, so maybe if you want to start there and, and sort of, or maybe you could just give a recap sort of how the, how the chapter hits you as you were reading through it and listening through it and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. I'm very grateful for this book because uh, I had been reading Thomas Merton and others, and and Thomas Merton doesn't give, I think I've mentioned this, doesn't give a formula or a step-by-step process at all 
to right. engage in contemplation. So I felt like I was just kind of feeling my way around <clears throat> and then found this book and he, he gives, you know, Thomas Keating gives a very practical, simple uh, beginning point mm-hmm. for anyone that has a desire to, for, for classical language, draw near to God. Others, it would be uh, engage in contemplation. Mm-hmm. Um, he even he touch on he touches on that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. This, so this chapter, because we tend to think these things, these deeper prayer things, are just for specialized people, mm. you know, saints or monks or pre leave, even leave, priests. Yeah, leave that to the priest or the pastor or the the holy people. <laughs> uh, but it's but it's for everyone to draw near. To God, if you're a human being, you know, if you're a living, sentient being, um, regardless of of age, regardless of geography, regardless of biography, um, you know, everyone is invited to uh, to draw to draw in, to draw near. Right. So. Well, I think, um, and this might be a little bold of me, but I think you might agree. But I kind of feel like that's you know. Part of this podcast we've created is to help remind people of that ability. I hope so. For the individual to draw near. Yeah, that it's not an elitist or es- in, for esoteric. In other words, a secret for the few initiated. For the ones with the secret handshake. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. To speak. No, it's not. It's not that at all. It's it. It should be uh, you know, an open thing. So. Um, and so, so yeah, so I think off the top here, we'll sort of look at, he talks about like the physical space to sit in. He recommends times of day. Um, he talks about the word coming up with, with the, the word to, to use in around centering prayer. And I know you and I have definitely covered that part of it. Um, I don't, I might've already said this, but physically how to sit, you know, to avoid uncomfortable ways of sitting and. It's funny because I kind of imagined as he was talking about that specifically, people like wanting to sit in the lotus pose. Yeah, yeah. And I've heard people insist on that. Yeah. And it's like, uh, like, yeah, that might be good. But if your body is not physically um, prepared (laughs) for sitting like that, which most most uh, Americans are not um, sitting in a chair is is just as just as good. (laughs) Yeah, I think people that that. Uh, nitpick on that kind of stuff they're really it's just an ego adventure like many others where they're trying to make it into an achievement make it into a a specialized talent uh, or make it into i'm in a i'm in a special group i'm initiated into a special Mm. elite group and we sit you know with our spinal cord straight and in the lotus position you know that kind of thing and um and eventually we're going to levitate you know, it can get, it can get pretty ridiculous. Yeah. We'll become yogic flyers, you know, at some <laughs> point. And, and so that's, that's all. Yeah. Those, that's just misadventures of the ego, all of that stuff. Uh, so which, yeah. So if you're going to begin to pray, uh, how long should you pray? 20 to 30 minutes uh, is a good start. Well, uh, even five. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, that's, cause even, yeah, for some even people, some that might people be, yeah. 20 minutes to me is nothing. And yeah, I think it feels the same way for you. Yeah. But I didn't start there. <laughs> well, he's guessing that it takes, you know, the centering prayer movement 
guess is that it takes about 20 to 30 minutes for the the, uh, the average person's thoughts to finally kind of yeah, slow yeah, down yeah. Right, and clear right. out. And- yeah, so, yeah, I mean, that number is correct for what you're trying to achieve in and around Saturday yeah. prayer. But it, but if that number, if you're, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, well, shit, 20, 20 minutes, minutes in yeah, silence, that, if that sounds unbelievably long, yeah, it probably is if that, if that's your initial thought. So start, you know, start lessons to that, start a minute, two minutes, yeah, five yeah, minutes, whatever, exactly. whatever seems manageable in the moment, start there yeah. and just think like, okay, maybe a year from now or six months from now. 20 minutes won't seem overwhelming. And there definitely seems to be a question whether you can, by your own effort, you know, Protestants are very sensitive about this issue, that you can't, by your own effort, uh, draw near to God in the sense of... Oh, really? Yeah, it's the free gift of salvation, so it's the free gift of... Oh, so you always have it all the time. Yeah, which created the Calvinist-Armenian divide, which was basically an argument in the Protestant era that, uh, you know, some Calvinists, hyper-Calvinists would, would say, uh, probably not Calvin himself, but, but the ones that came later, especially ones in Scotland, John Knox mm. in the 16, 1700s would say, uh, yeah, if you're destined to hell, you're destined to hell and that's God's business. And there's nothing you can do about that. And, uh, that's, yeah, that's just it. That's yeah, it. And that's yeah. all. And if you're chosen by God, there's nothing you can do with your will either. So uh, yeah, when, so I'm not getting into things like that, but but the general mystic traditions in Christianity in both East and West say there are things that you can do, that all of us can do to position yourself at least uh, in a place where you're receptive to God's presence, God's yeah. love. So okay. that's And Protestants eventually say that. But it has, you have to have this initial awakening. That's, you know, this initial conversion, this initial kind of thing. But it's just simply a desire to draw near. That's, yeah. you know. Well, and I think that goes with, uh, in recovery, the only requirement um, for membership is a desire to stop drinking. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And I think that's what this, this uh, points to that too is, um, there's no secret club. There's no secret handshake. You don't have to go through, um, you know, some kind of priest training or, uh, monk yeah. training or something, but just this, just this, uh, desire to draw near to the, the, yeah. the divine presence. Um, you don't need to learn your chakras. You don't need to know your anagram number. <laughs> you don't need any of that. Yeah, just other than yeah, a simple desire, and your desire may be simply even more uh, self-centered than because it sounds very pious to say I want to draw near to God, right? But your desire might be you just need some peace in your life. Yeah, Uh, everything's uh, just you know hitting the fan for you, and you're getting roughed up, and you're just you need some shelter from the storm, as Bob Dylan said. Well, and I think too, you know, to sort of like those other things might come, the, you know, the anagram number, the, you know, yeah, I'm not against sitting, those things. sitting in a lotus position, you know, all those other things that we, we've kind of dismissed, but those things might come, Yeah, but sure. it, you don't need it to, to yeah, draw near yeah. the, the presence, That's I think what, is, yeah. is, is a good way to sort of, um, present it because, um, sometimes all you have is a chair in a quiet yeah. place and five minutes. 
you know, and, and that, at least for me, that feels approachable if there was all these other things that, you know, we're giving examples of, but it, we yeah. you could give those examples infinitely. Um, those aren't requirements to drawing near. Right. Uh, and then, and then the last thing he sort of, unless I'm forgetting one, you can, you can chime in on it too, but, um, you know, he, he kind of describes the physical space is, is simply, um, just a quiet spot, um, where you, uh, ideally wouldn't get interrupted. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and um, if you, if you, if you're so privileged to have a space, yeah. Um, and I think he even talks about like, you know, if, if, uh, you know, knowing that you might get interrupted too and just that's yeah. just part of the the get down of you know once again not not being in some sort of special class of priest or monk or whatever and and just you're you're yeah. trying to work this into your day-to-day life um yeah you're trying to move from your analytical thinking to your <clears throat> a receptive kind of thinking and so this kind of prayer you're not going to be uh analyzing it you're not going to be grading it you're not going to be judging it am i doing it right uh and well you might have that thought yeah but, yeah but get, you will yeah. have that thought if, if especially depending on how you know you're how you're wired uh and, and some of that's cultural too you know i was at a uh i was i was a guest speaker at a, a church camp and um they were doing recreation and and it was a certain group within the camp, they were all doing, uh, archery mm. and they were just obsessed with whether they were doing the form right. Right. And, you know, rather than just having fun and shooting some arrows. Yeah. Uh, and, and this was a cultural issue mm. more than anything else. I won't say what culture they were, uh, because it just would show my, my own <laughs> uh, bias and whatever. But, uh, so it just depends on your, how you're wired and your upbringing. But uh, yeah, but this kind of prayer, you're not going to say, did I make it to 20 minutes? Did I make it to five minutes? Uh, what was the quality of my silence? Yeah. Did I really? No, you're not going to you're not going to ask ask any of those those kinds of questions. You just simply do it. Yeah. Put yourself in a receptive state and and go from there. Um, and don't worry about results in this case. So yeah. that's that's kind of that's hard. That That's a hard Extremely thing for a hard, lot of yeah. people. And, and, you know, and, and two, I think, you know, at least for me early on around meditation and, you know, which I, I, I find at this point in my life, very closely connected with centering prayer, but, you know, have grace with yourself. Cause those questions will come up. Yeah. And, uh, at least they did for me, you know, and, and, but just being like, well, maybe it was correct. Maybe it wasn't, um, but move along anyways, <laughs> just, yeah. you know, co- come back and sit, sit again tomorrow for, for whatever time frame, you know, and, yeah. and I know I've shared this story a million times on here, but for me, meditation started at, at just one minute, Yeah, you know, and there just, just being like, I, I know I can cut out one minute of my day, you know, and, and even I, I didn't even set aside a minute. I didn't, it didn't happen at a specific time of the day. You know what I mean? I just, sometime within that 24 hours or less than that from the time I woke up before I went to sleep one minute of silence yeah you know? exactly and, and um and it's it's progressed from there and you know that was shit 14 15 years ago where I started with one minute and and it's 
it's ebbed and flowed too. That's the other thing. I, there's been times where I've meditated every single day um, for long stretches of time. And, and you know, now I, I meditate or centering prayer, you know, probably three or four, maybe five times a week. Um, and I'm okay with that. Right. You know, it's, it's, um, anyways. So, um, I guess, I guess the next thing, and you've, you've covered this pretty well in the past, but it, he definitely brought it up, um, in this, and there's a couple of points I'd like to make, but maybe you could lead us off with the, this idea of, of the, um, does he call it a divine word? The word you bring into this oh, yeah. centering yeah. prayer. He calls it a sacred word. Sacred which, word. Sacred which word. That's, that's kind of problematic too. Because then it has to be a holy word, right? Some sort of, it connotes thought. It connotes uh, some sort of feeling. It might indicate, you know, some sort of theological meditation. But no, that's not what this kind of prayer is. It's not what we call discursive meditation, where you think holy thoughts. Uh, holy thoughts only. Yeah, so, but but sacred, he means a, a unique word for to yourself, you know. And can you talk about the sort of the practical side of, of how you use? Yeah. So when I first started off and it was probably probably about 2007, six, when I started doing this, this specific kind of prayer, right. centering prayer. And yeah, so I chose, you know, uh, uh, by the way, the idea is to choose this word so that, and it comes from uh, Thomas Keating got it from a medieval text originally written in English called the cloud of unknowing mm. where you, yeah. and the word you, you choose a word, it's not a mantra and it's not a sacred word of a, you know, of a deity or anything like that. Well, it's, that that's just a, a mental device is all it is. Yeah. And that's the one thing I wanted to point out on a bigger level is it of it not being a mantra. Yeah. There's no power in this specific word and it's just simply to get your mind to focus on not focusing. Yeah. Uh, it's simply just to, uh, I guess the, the analogy he uses is, you know, your, your stream of consciousness, your thoughts are a, uh, are boats on a river. And so you're not trying to stop your thinking by jumping out into the river and stopping each individual boat. Uh, but instead you're, you're turning your gaze and those, that's your thought process onto the river itself. And maybe even not just the river moving, but just the, the tadpoles that are yeah. right there at the shore or a rock. A so that would be a word. Yeah. And so when you, when your mind strays, which it does, that's the whole process it's supposed to do that. Cause that's what the human mind does. Mm -hmm. You, you simply come back to that word. Um, being a word man myself, that didn't, that didn't <laughs> really work smith. for me. Yeah. So, cause uh, you, I end up attaching meaning and baggage to it all and start meditating on it and try to, you know, so I, uh, you know, I think I mentioned, I used the word shoes for a long time, but lately in the last several years, I just simply picture a, a black dot on a white plane. Mm. That's all I do. So it's not even a word. Yeah. It's better for me you. just to, yeah, a dot, yeah. uh, you know, and even then my mind will say well, that dot is the pale blue dot <laughs> or the void that I'm <laughs> yeah, staring yeah. into. <laughs> yeah. It's the edge of a pencil and the creator is writing my life. <laughs> well, and, uh, and, and sort of this, I'm taking a step back, but even he talks about, uh, he recommends keeping your eyes closed because as humans, what we see, we think about, 
Yeah. That, that was yeah. one of the things he recommended um, for starting out is, is having your eyes closed. And, and, um, and for me, this idea, I think it is important about the mantra or the lack of mantra um, because I think in a lot of, uh, or at least let me say it this way, a lot of Eastern guided meditations that I've encountered recommend that right yeah. you know and, and so um being okay if you're you know if you're used to that sort of connection with the divine um yeah. you know being okay with okay this is this is a different uh these are just different suggestions so we're not here saying one re- is right or wrong it just no it's this, one that works for you yeah in this particular practice it's just like okay pine cone is going to be my and i'm literally yeah. looking at a pine cone that's why i said that um is going to be um, my word, right. you know, and it, it holds no meaning. It holds no, you know, um, and for some people, like, I think it's, it, you know, a good thing to point out that it doesn't even necessarily have to be a word. You know what I mean? It can right. be, it can be an image and it, but, but the image is not like you're looking at Jesus on the cross or, you know, Mary, right. yeah, you know, yeah, Mary, yeah, no. you know, it, it just, it's not a rosary meditation where you're, yeah, exactly. And so, um, so we sort of got the, the the physical, practical space. You got this idea of a of a of a word to to bring you back to the moment. Um, so I guess from your perspective, what you know, what's sort of the next well, aspect you, yeah, of it? You just sit there and and you don't try to breathe differently. You just notice your own breathing, maybe, um, and you're just simply. Uh, what Keating says, giving consent to the presence mm-hmm. of God. You're simply making yourself open to the present moment, to the presence of God. Um, you might be overwhelmed with emotions. And again, emotions are thoughts, so you just let them pass, like the ships on the, on the, the, the boats on the, the river, you know. So you, you acknowledge it. Yeah, the, why am I feeling? You don't analyze it. Why am I feeling this? Or... Uh, you just simply acknowledge, yeah, that feeling just came up. This thought just came up and you don't give it a second thought. You don't try to analyze it or try to psychoanalyze yourself or wonder if you're demon possessed or wonder if you're the prophet that God has chosen. You know, right. that, I've seen that happen to people. Uh, and you just simply, yeah, you just, you just simply sit there and, um, and when your mind, when you notice your mind wandering, you come back to the word or that dot and you just continue on um it's almost like uh your mind is a is a a a bowl of water and it's being you know it's stirred up usually there's stuff Mm -hmm. and so when you steal it you know it takes it takes some time for the particles to finally settle settle Mm -hmm. down and and uh and the water gets clear and you just and you simply enjoy the clearness of it you let the clearness be the clearness. Yeah. You don't try to make anything out of it. You know, you haven't achieved anything. You haven't accomplished anything. And you haven't failed at anything. It just, you know, you, you get out is. of that kind of thinking. Yeah. And you just simply are being. Well, You're just simply, yeah. Well, that was, a, you know, when you were saying like, you know, uh, you know, if, you know, if you think you're demon possessed or you think you're the prophet, um, the other side of that same coin is like nothing might happen. <laughs> like it might yeah, be yeah. the most boring and mundane 20 minutes of your life, but that's not right or wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. There, there's an infinite 
things that we could list off that might happen during this centering prayer time. Um, but yeah, the one answer to that is it doesn't matter. It no. doesn't, you know, it, it's not pass fail or, you know, psych, you know, I think it was a good, you know, good observation. Like, you know, you don't need to psych- psychoanalyze anything. Yeah. Like it just, it just that, that consent. Um, yeah. God is not your mother. So he's not, you know, God, he or she is not, uh, upset that you didn't call that you don't go over <laughs> enough that you you know that kind of because that is a theme yeah. in charismatic groups so the right song I, I remember hearing one where it's god speaking saying i miss my time with you and no god is always present <laughs> yeah. so it's it's not i mean i get what they're trying to say but uh yeah charismatics loved and evangelicals love to feel guilty about their failure to pray. Mm. And, uh, and I think they like the feeling of guilt more than they like the actual prayer trying to, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. cause then they wouldn't be trying to control everyone's sexuality <laughs> out there and passing laws against libraries and drag Queens. So well, I think Ooh, I had to score. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think too, it, even if you did call and go over enough to God, you're not getting a gold star. Yeah. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, so I think that's the other, um, the other part, you know, of, of that idea of guilt of, you know, you're not, uh, you're not going to, if you have that guilt, you just internally have that guilt and yeah. that's on you. That's not, you know, that's not a God thing. That's, that's the individual thing. Yeah. Um, so you just keep, keep going forward. You know, there was, uh, when I was a teenager in the eighties, there were in the, uh, in the late eighties, uh, there was a popular teaching, I think he was a televangelist. He had a church too. So I don't know. Some of them do. Uh, but it was called, could you not tarry one hour, which comes from Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. Oh you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Could you not, t- you know, so, it's, so again, it starts with that guilt thing. Could you not right. stay with me for one hour? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but it was very helpful to me because I, I wanted that. I needed some instruction. How can I pray for one hour? How can mm. I do that? And, and it was helpful. And yeah. he used, he used uh, uh, the Lord's Prayer, okay, the Our Father, um, as as a guide. You use each section of it, and mm. you end up, you know, when you go through that, you end up praying at least for an hour, and it was very helpful when I was, you know, that's really cool, sixteen, seventeen yeah. years old. Maybe we could do a podcast on. That. I, I forget the guy's name. Yeah, we'll we'll have uh, to look it up. No, well, and I think it goes back to what we were talking about a little while ago about you know, this sort of starting point of like where you feel connected, right? Like yeah, if it's yeah. Eastern meditation or centering prayer, or I mean, you know, even I, this is a beautiful example too, of like things pop up in our lives at, at different times. Yeah. And for whatever reason we feel connected to them. Um, you know, I, I've shared on this podcast, you know, specifically about the Lord's prayer. I, I feel extremely connected to that yeah. prayer and, and have since I was, has, eh, since I was a child. You know, and and so it, yeah. it's just one of those um, things that feels like home. You know, sort of like when I need need some respite from the storm of life. Yeah, that's one of the prayers I go to. Yeah, it shelters you. Yeah, and just just mentally roll it around in my mind. Is it you know? And I might even be doing stuff, right? I might be driving or yeah. um, work, doing some work or whatever. But I can I can roll it around in the back of my mind, um, and I find new things, right? Part, yeah. of, part of the evolution. So, yeah. So if you're listening to this and you, th- and you're saying to yourself, self, uh, 
I don't, I don't do this, this specific prayer that they're talking about. I don't do this centering prayer. <laughs> yeah, so therefore, for me. <laughs> therefore I'm lacking somehow. Therefore, and you start condemning yourself or you go the other way around. Those two are a bunch of clowns. I've, we've had, I've had people do that too. Dismiss it, say, because they're, you know, they don't, it's not something they connect with. So right, it right, must right, be right. bullshit if they don't connect yeah, with yeah, it. Right, and right, it's right. just like, no, don't do that either way. Find what works for you. Mm-hmm. And it may be the rosary. The rosary was very helpful for me in childhood. And, and sometimes even today, I still, mm-hmm. and it's the pauses between yeah. It's, it, so you get into a rhythm of that prayer. Yeah. It's almost the same thing in, in a lot of ways because your mind is engaged in the words of the prayer, mm-hmm. but you're not really trying to make the prayer better. Yeah. Each Hail Mary is not going to get better than the last Hail Mary. I've, exactly. I've, I mean, I've read, not read, I've met people who, uh, it's kind of, these are, these are, if you're Catholic, you, you get it. Uh, these silly Catholic games that we play uh, at a Catholic funeral at the, at the, the viewing they they do a rosary right 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 and this guy was pissed that his family was going so so quickly through it hail mary full of grace and so he intentionally slowed it down and drove this group crazy <laughs> hail mary full of grace he became you know uh that kid stevie from malcolm in the middle you know okay. hail mary <laughs> full of grace you know and so yeah, those I forgot where I was, but so so your brain gets your your thought process gets consumed with saying the words, and there becomes this rhythm of the prayer, and and critics of that would say you're just praying empty prayers. No, that's not what's. Ha- I mean, it could be what's happening, but yeah. but what could also be happening is that underneath that rhythm and your and the mind being preoccupied with the words of the prayer, the real prayer is happening underneath mm-hmm. it. And you can't describe it because it's beyond thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's beyond words. It's beyond feelings. That's, that's centering prayer. That's contemplative prayer emerging underneath the rhythm of the rosary or, or if you do the, our father, some people memorize scriptures. Mm-hmm. Yep. Some people, I, I met a woman who, uh, I mean, this was a more specific prayer where she was praying for her family but she, uh, I guess at one point long ago, people used to iron clothes. Remember, mm-hmm. have you ever heard of that? Oh, yeah. Uh, I was just talking to someone. Iron clothes? Who does a, that now? A couple of days ago about, I can remember my grandma watching her novellas and, and ironing, uh, <laughs> ironing, ironing clothes. her clothes in, in our living room. And so her ironing was her prayer for her family. Mm-hmm. And so the person, whoever owned the shirt or the pants or whatever, that's who she would pray for. And I'm sure, so, so she's, Doing that, and her mind is preoccupied with not burning, yeah, yeah, yeah. burning stuff, oh, yeah. and getting into the the left and right, or however you know, the, the well, you don't really do a left and right, do you? Bad ironers do, I guess. <laughs> but but the the what you, the skill of ironing yeah. itself, uh, being so, focused at the task exactly. On the task and at so hand. so by being focused, then she's it's possible that she would be receptive to uh, the the present moment, the presence of God. And, and so there's contemplation emerging underneath a, a daily chore. Well, so, and and that, I love yeah. that example because we, we always, or always, um, you and I have talked about, you know, before enlightenment, chop wood, after enlightenment, yeah, chop yeah, wood, do exactly. the dishes, do the dishes. You, you, you can throw in any other, anything there. Right. But, but just this idea of, um, you know, and, and I've probably talked about this, but one of the first women, uh, I was in a class, who knows, 10 years ago, 10 plus years ago, and she talked about 
um, playing solitaire oh, yeah, would yeah, get yeah. her would get her into that, and it blew my mind that something as common may I mean maybe it's less common now, but I can remember like growing up playing solitaire, but something that quote unquote common yeah doesn't seem godly doesn't seem right. Uh, part of the secret society that we were, you know, yeah, kind of making no fun of earlier. Sacredness to it. There's no holiness to it. And she, yeah, and she just talked about what what deep meditations she yeah, had fallen absolutely. into. You know, intention playing solitaire because it would distract her mind as she was exactly. also praying. Um, you know, and so similarly, you know, this irony thing. So it's like any you, you can turn just about anything into that prayer yeah right and and i know yeah. well, uh, someone just told us about it uh michaela uh pettis uh took up well she recently got a motorcycle oh and right, she was right, saying right, that's right, her right. best yeah, yeah, yeah. time with yeah, yeah, god yeah. so to speak yeah uh because her mind is so hyper focused mm-hmm. on staying alive on yeah. the el paso streets so it opens up these other receptors uh in her being to to be, uh, you know, open. Uh, well, it's funny it's, because that, know. when I talk to people about motorcycle riding, I say my, my preferred meditation is silent in a room by myself. Sure. Number two is riding a motorcycle. Cause yeah. I've never, I've never been. And like you said, it's a life or death errand. Like if yeah. you're not, if you let your mind wander, the stakes are pretty, you know, yeah. it's a pretty high stakes game that you're, that you're messing with. So I don't think I was with you with, with Michaela when she said that. Yeah, maybe not. I yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's really, it, yeah, it's that's it, incredible because it's true. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, it, anything, you know, can turn into that. Um, one of the things uh, that he does talk about that I, I, was interesting to me and, and I wanted to explore with you a little bit, but he talked about like outside noise, um, you know, and, and, uh, the way I interpret it is sort of that um, initial like wanting to get agitated or aggravated with outside noise yeah. and, and sort of his, uh, oh, what's it called? Recommendation, I guess, or suggestion to not, not do that. Just allow it to be part of that, that time of, of centering prayer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe you could speak a little bit more in and around that of, of, Maybe not noise specifically, but like it doesn't have to be perfect. Right. Your right. environment is going to be imperfect and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Try praying with a kitten in the room, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just today when we, you and I are praying. Jackass cat, you know. Uh yeah, super super jump. I know, and she that. weighs nothing. She's and a tiny little cat. But, but when she jumps down on things, it's like it's, the it, whole world is falling apart. Sounds like a hundred pound leopard or something <laughs> yeah, exactly. is, is upon it. Eat your face. And so I, I think it's those are those are probably good things. Uh, uh, one historical example that comes to mind is the the story of uh, I, I think it was John and Charles Wesley's mother. She had something like you know eighty kids that she gave birth to, or something like wow. that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she start she started at two. <laughs> she probably felt like there were eighty. Kids. You have more than yeah, five think, kids in a house. S- that's you may as well have eighty, right? Yeah, I was gonna say if you, <laughs> there's a certain number you hit, and or I, the number doesn't matter, just and too many. I think many. the Methodist Church's official teaches that uh, they that John Wesley and his brother grew up in a shoe. Uh, I'm just kidding, <laughs> but 
But uh, apparently they didn't she know what would, to do. <laughs> apparently their mother, when she would get overwhelmed or wanted her child, I think I think they probably sanitized the story later of course. to make it look like she did this regularly as her. Maybe she did. It was the 1700s. Who knows, right? Who knows? But she would pull her apron because, you know, uh, women wore aprons back then, right? If you lived in a house, it says so on TV, right? They all have aprons in those old movies. So Barefoot, what is it? Barefoot and pregnant or whatever? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So she would pull the apron, I guess it would be up over her, Mm. over her face and sit in a corner and that was kind of the cue to the rest of the you know to the kids uh, leave me shut alone. the hell up <laughs> you damn you're kids gonna, gonna well, i'm going to just i yeah <laughs> i'm going to disembowel every single one of you uh, <laughs> or decapitate you whichever's quicker but that became her holy of holies that became mm-hmm. her temple her tabernacle that kind of thing um I've done, you know, intentional walking in this downtown El Paso mm, in the city yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, it was, a because it's so loud, it became meditative. I can't explain it, but I, it was, I was able to enter into that place, if you will, of being in the present moment. I was trying not to get hit by cars right. crossing the street. Um, but there were almost every time I, I do this, uh, there are these moments where physically audibly the city pauses. It's the weirdest thing. It's like when you're in a crowded restaurant and and the conversations all stop at the same time now yeah. and then the city seems to do that it seems like it takes a breath and there's this silence that that comes for a split second and either that or i was ex- inhaling too much bus exhaust and <laughs> yeah that kind of thing but it's, well, it, ha- well, it seemed to happen consistently the couple of years i was doing that on a weekly basis what i think too with that specific to this to the conversation we're having is that if you're not present to the moment you're going to miss that split second of the pause. Yeah. So if, you, if you're not being intentional about it, it'll seem like it never happens because your mind is wherever else, right? And that's sort of, yeah. I think for the average person, that's how we navigate the world, right? Like we got to get to the next place or we got to find our car, or, yeah. you know, answer that text message or, um, you know, put the earbuds in and make that call or listen to that podcast. And, right. and um, so sort of, not necessarily slowing it down. I don't think that's a correct way to put it because life still happens at life speed, but yeah. putting the intention of attempting to be here in the present moment, um, which, and, you know, definitely push back. If you, that's consenting to God, you know, being in the moment right. is the same in my mind as consenting to God. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean, you're going to have these amazing feelings. It doesn't no, you're mean, not looking for those anymore. It doesn't mean your mind is going to stop and, and you're going to have some peace of mind or whatever. It just It's just being in the moment, giving consent, and being open to whatever whatever is yeah. in that moment. You know, whether it's inhaling the fumes or, or yeah. witnessing the fucking, that split second of, of the city taking a breath. Yeah, and be aware that most of us in... 21st century North America are terrified of being bored. Yep. That that's worse than death to, to some people. And so become start to become aware of that. That you're why are you afraid of boredom? Uh because boredom is is where these exchanges can take place. Boredom is where uh creativity can be 
you know, you, you, you can switch from being a consumer mm-hmm. of entertainment to a producer of beautiful things. Yeah. Uh, and so, so take those small steps towards not being afraid anymore of, of boredom. And I think it's by giving yourself to the boredom well, you know, in small increments, however you can, I don't, I don't recommend if you're, if you're terrified, if you're a TikTok addict, I don't recommend you going up to the woods where you have no uh, cell service and, and stranding yourself for six months. I wouldn't recommend that, but some well, people have done that. No, it's actually funny <laughs> you say that. And this is kind of a side tangent, but I think, I think it's reasonable. You know, some of the 10 day silent meditation retreats I've gone on. Uh, I, there's very few people I've recommended that to. Like I've talked to people. Yeah. It wouldn't be helpful. You know what I mean? Um, and it's just like, if, if you haven't been on a, a path of meditation up into that, like, and some people have done it successfully. So it's, it's right. not a, it's not a, you know, I'm painting a broad, a broad stroke here, but if you haven't engaged with meditation leading up to that and you just throw yourself into a silent 10 day meditation retreat, um, you know, that one of the ones I was at, um, I, for lack of a medical diagnosis, cause I'm not a doctor. Someone had a nervous breakdown. Oh really? Yeah. And they had to be like escorted out and take, I believe taken to the hospital wow. um, because of like a panic attack kind of thing. Yeah. Like, and like, ve- like severe, like it happened wow. at like two or three in the morning and it was like, wow. Uh, they in fact we joked about it earlier but they were they said they were being demon possessed um and it was like a very um worrisome thing you know what i mean and and so um it is there is yeah. something about building up yeah yeah give yourself <laughs> to small these, these types of things go into small increments yeah turn your phone off for 2 minutes and see how you do and then <laughs> three four you know that kind of thing see what your thresholds are before you yeah because there are thresholds for what sure was that guy mccandless i don't know uh the into the wilds uh oh, story chris mccandless i don't know. I, I have no idea what his name i, I know who you're talking about yeah don't but. go and chris mccandless your ass in <laughs> alaska uh you know and that kind of thing or you'll you'll go and say that guy like he, he went in slow increments was already going into the the, the adventures of the wild by himself because mm-hmm. he, he actually ate the wrong berries. Right. So that's what killed him. It wasn't the boredom is what I'm right, trying to yeah, say. Right, 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 right. It was a misstep on his diet. Yeah. Yeah. Which could easily, you know, very easily happen in the wild. Yeah. Um, um shit. I'm, I'm lost. How to deal with noise, external noises. Uh, yeah. So don't get attached to the quiet itself, the physical audible quiet. Uh, you don't need it to have interior quiet. Yeah. And and I guess it's kind it kind of points back to what we originally talked about as far as like, you know, judging, like, was I successful or, you know, did I fail at silence today? It's, you know, it's the same thing. Like, you know, I mean, we, you and I encounter it all the time sitting out, you know, here, you know, whether it's the dude working on the, on the semi trucks or, you know, someone, yeah, yeah. someone running a dirt bike down the Arroyo. That, that could be annoying. Whatever yeah. That one annoys me the most. Oh, is, I know. Is the, when they hit the throttle <laughs> yeah, oh, no, and they're just going up and down, up. Yeah. That one gets um, me. Or even the traffic, you know, even the, we live close to a, a missile range and even sometimes there'll be 
uh, hauling stuff yeah, in and town. And stuff. Yeah, and, and so a normally quiet um, highway can can have yeah. you know whatever. It, this will be an exaggeration, but you know, fifty semi trucks with yeah. with tanks and other other war war machines on there um, going into the. Well, this is a, yeah, that's an interesting point because it it can because I walk out here, and that's my main prayer life, if you will. Mm-hmm. And there was a just, I guess, uh, time is really weird. A couple of years ago, when uh, they opened it. Uh, a temporary oh shelter for it was, it was Af- probably uh, for Afghan even, people even like four years ago. Wow, no. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Maybe three, yeah. Um, when when the Afghanistan when the U.S. military pulled out of Afghanistan yeah. and so they trucked in, I forgot it was thousands hmm. just in this camp, a mile less than a mile yeah. up on the road, and so this highway for about a year was constant traffic that's true right super right. loud and yeah. it was very annoying i felt like shrek and the toys are coming into my <laughs> thing but what happened is i ended up the sound of the traffic made me gave me a greater empathy for the families that were there and prayer opening up prayer for them as well so so it, it could be it could go to your advantage well, in that sense it could expand your heart it's funny too because annoyances can um in that same time frame, the noise didn't bother me, but at night where the checkpoint was, they had a huge spotlight. Oh, that too, yeah, yeah. And that shined right through my window. Like my window just happened to like angle yeah, yeah. right where the checkpoint was. Yeah, our bedroom door. Yeah. Um, and so, so at night it would it sort of you know, after the initial annoyance, sort of shifting to what you're talking about. That at night when I would see yeah. it, it kind of would be that reminder of like. The tragedies, not only, you know, just here of, of, you know, Afghan families needing to escape and and come to somewhere safe, but then, you know, sort of rippling that out across the globe of like every family that's it, that, that is in need of safety in need of food in need of security, right? Like the list can go on and on, um, you know, and, and, um, and using that spotlight. Well, it wasn't a spotlight, but it was, yeah, it was a a bright ass light. We're talking, Um, yeah. Because a neighbor up the road ended up housing them for some reason. I guess he bought them. I don't know what, but they were in his front yard right off the highway. And there was thought, probably uh, almost a hundred of them. I thought you meant housing some of the Afghan. <laughs> no, you meant no. the lights. He stored the lights yeah, for them. Yeah, yeah, these, yeah, yeah. I mean, these were there powerful, multiple, powerful yeah. lights. Yeah. It was a small city, you know, just in the middle of the desert there. So, yeah. Um. So, so... We're coming up kind of close uh, to time, and and um, as always, I just wanted to sort of open it up to you, um, and any other uh, thoughts or reminders around this um, centering prayer one hundred and one, the the early setup, you know, the uh, practical side of of this um, sacred practice, and and stepping into. Uh, whether it's someone that has some time with it or, you know, a brand new endeavor. Uh, if there's any, anything else on your heart or mind that you'd like to throw out there and, and. Uh... Yeah. I could just read a paragraph from his chapter that seems to sum it up really. Cool. Uh, yeah. That's, Keating that's, writes. Uh, that's perfect. He says centering prayer is not so much an exercise of attention 
uh, as it is intention. So that's that's pretty. It's not about your attentiveness. It's about your intention. What you know? What are you? You're trying to draw near to God. You're trying to draw near to the center of your own life. Uh, you're trying to be present in life. Uh, it may take a while to grasp this distinction. You do not attend to any particular thought content. Rather, you intend to go to your innermost being where you believe God dwells. You are opening to God by pure faith, not by means of concepts or feelings. It is like knocking gently on a door. You're not pounding on the door with your, uh, with all your faculties saying, you know, open up in the name of the law, which is a very Pentecostal way to do it. We, we literally said that. We're going to pound on the door of heaven till we get our answers. We were, Amazing. Yeah. So, so this is a different kind of prayer. It's not that the other one's wrong. It's just, right. Yeah, is, it's just different. It's not this. Uh, you can't force this door. It opens from the other side. What you are saying by means of the sacred word is, here I am waiting. It is a waiting uh, game and uh, to the nth degree. Nothing flashy is going to happen. Or if it does, you should gently return to the sacred word as if nothing had happened. Even if you have a vision or hear infused words, uh, you should return to the sacred word. This is the essence of the method. You know, and then in his speaking, he used to make the joke, you know, if, if the Virgin Mary herself appears to you during this time and says she has special messages for you, for the world, uh, you, you tell her, not now, dearie, I'm doing my silence. <laughs> and you return to your sacred word. Uh, and so that's kind of the point. Yeah. And I think I've mentioned somebody, a charismatic, was pushing back on him at a at a, at a seminar, early seminar. This would have been in the 80s. Okay. And they, they she stood up and, you know, was very upset. Said, Do you mean to tell me that if the Holy Spirit says something to me, that I'm to ignore it? And then he said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because it'll come back up later in, yeah. in recollection. So, but at that 20 minute, that yeah. whatever amount of time that you've designated, you're not doing that then now. People uh, were upset, teasing me because they were saying, because I wrote a lot of the poems of last year, the haiku poetry, during the our twenty-minute set. Oh yeah, yeah, set. yeah, right. They would come uh, to you. You said, "Well, why weren't you?" Well, because all those poems came when my mind was at the beginning of the session, and so I would kind of corral them in a net, so to speak, and then you know at the end of the twenty minutes would enter in, you know, to maybe one minute of uh, actual stillness and silence, which I don't know. I don't analyze. Yeah, it. we're we're not timing. We don't yeah. have a stopwatch there. Yeah, so. And then, and then return later, you know, and a lot of times I would end up not remembering at all and forget it. So that was a struggle, but, well, yeah, but most of the time I would remember later. Well, that was the two points I was going to make on the other, you know, sort of in your defense is you didn't go out there with the intention of writing poems. You just went out there with the intention of sitting for 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing that anyway. So, and the amount of poems you remembered, there's probably the same amount of poems or more that were forgotten Oh yeah, yeah. Because sure. <laughs> you know, because because yeah. it's you know, and so um, you know, it wasn't like uh, at some point because we you know we've been doing you and I have been doing this for for years together, um, but it wasn't like at some point we shift like oh let's use this twenty minutes so you can think of poems. No, you know what I mean. Yeah, like it just it just so happened that you decided to be intentional about writing yeah. poems, and some of them would come to you 
during and, and we're not saying like oh if you do this 20 minutes silence you're going to become you're going to have poems yeah, yeah, come to you <laughs> that that's probably not going to happen um but it is there is something about the inviting the divine in that uh sparks that create a you know whether you call it the muse um creativity you know yeah, all, yeah. we have a every artist has a name for it right, right, and, right and so yeah. Um, just by inviting the divine into your life. In my, this is purely my opinion. Um, that creative fire within us um, can be can be magnified to whatever level yeah. that it, that it might happen in in that time, and it'll go back out, right? Like right, exactly. Ebb and flow, like everything else. So, um, you feel good? Yeah, yeah. Me too, man. That was a good one. Very good. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Mr. David Morrison. Thank you, sir. Um, all the the typical credits, uh, theruin.com to learn more about uh, Desert Rain Community. Uh, thank you to Jacob Nedia. That's what you hear in the background with Monk Drums. Thank you to Danny West. Uh, he does all the editing and sound engineering. Uh, dreamwalkerway.com uh, to f- buy a copy of David's book, Desolate Beauty. Uh, you can also search for Desolate Beauty uh, in the Kindle. Is it called the Kindle Store? Is that the, the Kindle book? Store? Yeah. Yeah. So on uh, on the Kindle score, Store and Amazon, uh, Desolate Beauty, the Book of Light and Shadow. You can uh, find that there. Um, David Morrison and I are both on Instagram, uh, YouTube channel. Um, you can find a American Sign Language translation of of the book. Uh, you can search Dreamwalker. That's one word, and then the second word way um, to find that there on YouTube. Uh, is there anything else I'm forgetting? I think we're good. Beautiful. Uh, once again, thank you everyone for for tuning in and uh, supporting us throughout the years. And uh, thank you, Mr. Morrison. Thank you, sir. Good day now.